0: Welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story Podcast Series in association with TheIndicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover is Tata Motors' new big bet on electric vehicles. Joining me on the call to talk about his cover is Forbes India's Manu Balachandran. Hi Manu, always fun talking to you. Thanks for joining in.
1: Morning Abhishek, hope you are doing well.
0: Thank you. Yes, doing very well. Thanks. And uh, you call Tata Motors the phoenix of uh, India's automobile market. Why is that before even we start talking about their next foray, So, Abhishek,
1: essentially much of that had to do with the transition and, uh, you know, this phase between, say, 2015 and 2020. Before 2015, Tata Motors had been completely written off from India's passenger vehicle portfolio, what people would look to uh, in passenger vehicles. They become essentially a fleet, a cab operator, and uh, they didn't have too many models that were sort of appealing to the the personal buyer space. It was around the same same time, you know, Maruti, Hyundai, everybody else was sort of doing well, Honda and everybody. Tata was essentially written off in that space. Then they made a comeback Uh, around 2016. They they brought in two new architecture on which uh, platforms on which they will build vehicles. The Nexon, which they launched, I think, around 2016 or 2017, was basically a, a bridge product, which was going from the old architecture to the new architecture. The Nexon was a big runaway hit. And that was followed by the Harrier, the Altros, all of these vehicles doing remarkably well in terms of safety features. And, and since you know the last two years or so, the, the company has made such a stunning turnaround from a market share of about 4.5 4.6% to about 10% now which is which is phenomenal in the indian automotive market uh, because everybody has been sort of you know been at the same space for a very long time tata has made such a big jump in the market share you can see that in, in terms of the number of vehicles on the on the roads now these
0: days The new uh, variants are, you know, in stark contrast in terms of design to their older ones. So, yes, you're right. Your article itself says that from 4.8% to 10% since 2020, which is a pretty big leap in uh, less than a year and a half. Much
1: of that had to do with, you know, the new management that took charge around 2016. We had done a cover story then, back then, which was Tata 2.0, the big gamble that they were taking winter, especially, although winter is now on its way out. But it, but it brought in a lot of uh, restructuring within the organization. Decisions were being taken much faster than they were taken earlier. So that period between 2005 and 2015, where they lost out, they sort of compensated for that in between 2015 and 20
0: 2016 and 2020. And as um, electric vehicles go, isn't Tata an unlikely leader in the industry given the history that you just talked about? Shouldn't Maruti have been the one who you know holds the torch? Or am I, as a casual reader, missing out on something? Because in electric vehicles, I read that Tata is the market leader at this stage.
1: That's correct. At this point, Tata is the market leader in India's passenger vehicle space that's mostly led by the Nixon, which I think is about 70-75% of the market at the moment. As far as the question of Maruti and many others go, Hyundai had launched Kona. But Kona was priced so expensive. It was, uh, I think, uh, relative to what, say, an Exxon is. Kona, I think, sells at about 20-25 lakh, which is something that Shailesh Chandra, the head of uh, the passenger vehicle division at Tata Motors, had spoken to and said, they were c- clear about electric vehicles because they know that's the future. The Indian government is also uh, sort of, um, you know, backing the entire policy. They come out with fame one, fame two, you know, things like that. When they were clear that this is the direction in which it was going to go, uh, they looked at two aspects. One, the buyer will never be willing to pay more than 25% premium on what a conventional uh, engine vehicle is at the That was one. And second is the range anxiety. So a lot of vehicles, you know, even the ones that Tata had come out with would have range of, say, 200 kilometers, but on on paper, but on on the road, it would be much lesser. Nexon has a range of about 312, which means it should essentially deliver more than 250 kilometers on one single charge. So that takes away the range anxiety as far as the customers were concerned. And it also wasn't priced very high. It was about 25% more than what the Nexon was selling at that point. That could get a lot of buyers. Maruti's, uh, even when we had spoken to Mr. Arvind Bhargava sometime back, he had specifically said that look, EV is not something that we are chasing very aggressively. There are other alternatives like hydrogen fuel, for instance, and much of that is because you know lithium could be limited source uh, sometime in the future. Uh, you know, it could be there. There are geopolitical things that play there.
0: When we talk about electric vehicles, the first question that car buyers usually gripe about is, well, uh, it's a noble thought, but I don't want to be stranded between two cities because of lack of charging facilities. Is that changing? Recently, I read about uh, Indian Oil Corporation talking about its uh, announcement that in the next few years, they will have charging facilities in uh, 10,000 of its petrol pumps.
1: There is a lot of traction happening there, at least uh, compared to earlier when there would be these announcements, you know, that this will happen. On the ground, things are moving now. You saw with Ola uh, Electric, they said that they will be setting up, I forget the exact number, but they're going to be setting up their own uh, charging infrastructure. Tata Power, uh, who of course is partnered with uh, Tata Tata Motors, are going to be setting up a a certain massive number of uh, charging stations. So these numbers will obviously go up compared to what it is today and uh, you can't always keep expecting the government to set up the charging infrastructure. They had done that in the past, now it's up to the private players to come and invest in those infrastructure. Because there is a belief that, you know, I mean, say 2030, even what Tata Motors says, by 2030, India will sell about a 7 million new vehicles. Now, if there's going to be 30 million, 30% penetration in that, in that phase with EV and, you know, all the traction happening globally which means about 2 million vehicles would be electric. 2 million electric vehicles flying on the road definitely needs good infrastructure, which is what a lot of people, private and the government, are actually focused on right now. And so that will improve. Uh, It's just a matter of, I think, a few more years before it it, it gets uh, plenty.
0: And this uh, industry, if not in India, at least across the world, is in for a big shake-up, isn't it? Because Ford has announced that by 2030, it will only have, or rather it will phase out its diesel and petrol vehicles, which is just nine years away. General Motors by 2035, you ride Honda by 2040. So. And if
1: you see at the COP26, uh, I think uh, six uh, six automakers and some 31 countries have signed, uh, have said that, you know, they're not going to be, uh, you know, promoting uh, internal combustion engines uh, in the near, in the long run. So, uh, you know, manufacturers like Ford, Volkswagen, Mercedes, all of them have taken big bets with, uh, with with electric vehicles. General Motors has said that they're not going to be selling uh, these vehicles from 2035. Volvo, for instance, is not going to be doing that. So there's a lot of traction happening. I and mean, when global automakers are leading that change. And, and of course, I mean, we've seen what's happening with Tesla. It's become the world's most valuable automakers, like I don't know, among one of the most valuable companies in the world. The direction is absolutely electric vehicles, uh, unless, you know, uh, hydrogen uh, powered vehicles can make some sort of inroads, but that is still, you know, it's it's mostly the Japanese companies that are still betting big on that. It's not really taking steam like how it is with the uh, electric vehicles. China has been leading the way with electric vehicles. It's only in India that we've not, you know, have seen that commitment, you know, from 2030, we will be selling only this or from 2040, we will be selling this.
0: By that count, does uh, how big of an early mover advantage does uh, Tata have? i think uh,
1: look it's 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 not very easy to predict how the market will play out but of course having an early mover advantage it becomes very important a you know for now uh, what they are betting on is word of mouth which is what obviously has translated to sales for them they're getting their bookings for getting bookings over 3500 2600 3, a month which are significant numbers by their own standards. The early mover advantage is definitely big because it, it cements your place in the minds of people that look, you get into the Tata ecosystem, you've got Tata power to help you with the charging infrastructure. You've got a brand that has made such a remarkable turnaround in its, in its passenger vehicle fortune. And uh, you can have a vehicle that can be trusted, which, which can delivering that, you know, the range that it is supposed to deliver. They've got plans to bring out 10 vehicles. They've created a different subsidiary for the electric vehicles division right now, which of TPG Rice Climate invested in. They're investing a billion dollars, by virtue of which they've become India's most valuable electric vehicle manufacturer right now because that subsidiary is worth about a $9, million, $9 billion, right? Now. Don't forget, Mahindra is also going to be coming out with something very similar. They've also got elaborate plans. Uh, we've done that sometime back. It's going to be interesting. Indian automakers like Tata, Mahindra, all of them will try to make inroads. And as far as Tata's go, that early mover advantage definitely helps in cementing that trust within the buyers.
0: And it is indeed in, in our interest, too, isn't it? Because uh, 14 out of the 15 most polluted cities are in India. Uh, currently, Delhi is not doing all that great after Diwali. And, and uh, so, this is indeed the future.
1: Absolutely, no doubt. I think it's going to be the direction. uh, Look, it may not, some people might say, you know, it may not happen this quickly. In in many ways, think of it like, you know, say, you know, when WhatsApp came into the picture, a lot of people prefer to call, a lot of people prefer to message. And but before you knew it, you know, it it just changed things for you. and, And a decade later, we, you know, life is dependent entirely on WhatsApp. So electric vehicles could be something like that. Before you know it, uh, you know, you realize that it's, it's got so many benefits. Now, if you're a price conscious consumer uh, and look, look at the rising oil prices, right? I mean, fuel prices at some point, you know, it's going to pinch you, right? If you, it's going to cost you hundred rupees to for one liter of uh, petrol, which is going to take you, say, 20 kilometers, uh, it's, 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 it's going to hurt. So all of these factors will be at play. And uh, if, if the infrastructure comes up and which everybody else is trying to do. Then I think we are in for some sort of uh, changes in the next five years.
0: And we will read a bit more about that when you cover them. Thank you very much, Manu, for your time on this podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Abhishek, for having me.
0: Thank you. And all you listeners, uh, you know where to find this on Forbes India, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Podcasts, or any other application that you use to consume uh, podcasts. And uh, also to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.